All right, so let's talk a little bit about the markets here. Welcome to Bull Bear Radio. Market pricing is nuts. Each week, we catch up with WBI's experts, Matt and Don Schreiber. Down 77%. You know what you need to recover from that? A miracle. WBI brings you wealth-building market insights. Hi, I'm Matt Schreiber, and this is Bull Bear Radio. Yo, Dividend Doctor, what's up? How you doing, Matt? Yo, it's earnings season. We got 416 companies reporting now, and earnings looking real strong, up 24.25% for the S&P 500. Sales growth coming in at a whopping 8.4%. I'm uh, whopping. Maybe this is good. Maybe this is bad. What do you think, Dividend Doctor? Wow. Hashtag wow. Oh, boy. Yeah. This is earnings insanity, man. We've got the quality earnings. We've got high earnings, high revenue growth. This is insane, man. This is awfully good. Dude, talk about insane in the membrane here, in in the brain. Uh, Energy stocks, 27 to 31 reporting. Earnings growth. Check this number. This is not an error I'm going to read it like twice before I talk about it. 93.18%. Yes, people, that is a real number. Earnings growth, 93.18%. And oil prices still continue to rise. That's not even in that number. Hey, we just jumped above 70. And, and you know, sales growth, 12.57%. Healthy. Big numbers. Strong. Big. You know, Check out this. Materials. I'm going right down the list. 22 of 25 companies, 41% earnings growth. And check this out. 21.5% sales growth. Are you kidding me? This is nuts. Great. Insanely nuts. good, man. Industrial, 66 of 70 reporting. 24.75%, 9% sales growth. I mean, that's also strong. Hey, and the consumer, 10% earnings growth, 8.5% revenue growth. And that's pretty good. Consumer discretionary. Consumer discretionary, man. Even the staples, which have been stinking it up from a return perspective recently, right? This year, I mean, yeah, this, the sector's a disaster in terms of price. Uh, earnings growth, 10.65%. And... Uh, Sales growth of 5.47%. I guess people are still buying some soap and some shampoo and all that kind of good stuff, huh? So companies are doing- That shouldn't be smoking it from a revenue and earnings perspective. Hey, it's, it's consumer staples, man. How much more can you are, buy? Companies are doing great. 80% of re- have uh, reported, 80% of companies in the S&P 500, and 78% of the companies that have reported are- Outperforming expectations. Yep. Which is the highest number since they started tracking, you know, yep. expectations. Yep. So, so here's the problem. So, Caterpillar threw a cat. Yep. Cat. Man, they dumped an Arctic amount of ice cubes on this earnings season when they said, you know, these are peak earnings for us. They were great, by the way but I don't think they're going to get better from here. They're probably going to get worse. 
and it set the entire markets on its ear. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I looked at the chart, man. So yeah, this is peak in terms of percentage rise in earnings and revenue over the prior year, right? So yeah, it, it, we've been in an upswing in terms of earnings and revenue growth over the last few quarters. It's going to get tougher to continue growth rates, you know, at the twenty four percent clip. Don't you agree? I mean, come on. Well, I this think, is in rocket science. I think so, but the it's got to slow a little bit. Listen, the mood on Wall Street, the investor, according to FactSet, they say that the market is rewarding upside earnings less than average. They're punishing downside earnings surprises more than average. So basically, hmm. they don't like anything that they're seeing. We have insanely good earnings, insanely good revenue growth. And insanely <laughs> stupid price moves. And investors who are willing to discount it all because maybe next quarter, maybe by next year, the earnings won't be so good. You know, the investors usually are looking at, what have you done for me lately? Well, companies well, they're lately doing, they're doing some have stuff done lately. some phenomenal stuff. Holy cow. I mean, Amazon printed $3.27 a share versus expectations of a buck twenty-four. It's almost, huge. I mean, almost huge. a triple. I know. Almost a triple. I know. Well, that's, that's a whole different story. And, and I beat Apple, up on the analysts about expectations Apple, last week. Yeah. Investors were taking Apple out to the woodshed. Driving the price down, they just 10, 11 they just finished a hundred and twenty or finishing a hundred and twenty billion dollars stock buyback program. Now they're going to do another hundred bill. Another they're going to increase the billion. Yeah, they're going to increase the dividend. What was it? I forget it. Was it was it like eight, twelve, eighteen percent? I don't remember the number, but it was insane. It was huge. According to uh, Buffett and I can't uh, even f I, like wow yeah and Munger. You know, the guys who... Oh, they like that. They, they like dividends. They like Apple. They like dividends. They like Apple. They own, I think, $47 billion. Yeah, 5% of the company. Charlie Munger says, well, we should hold more. We need more. Yeah. And between what Buffett can do with Berkshire Hathaway and what Apple's going to buy back, mm -hmm. stock's got to move higher. Stock's got to move, dude. Stock has got to move. Yo, so the uh, jobless rate. Let's, let's, let's shift from earnings for a second. You know, we're talking big tech, by the way. Big beats, as Don was saying, information technology, 49 to 68 companies, 20, almost 29% earnings growth and 14.5% on the on the revenue side. Really good. So the jobless rate. You know, and people hey, look, people you, aren't liking Fang, but my goodness, the Fang, Fang is stocks, Fang, Google, Facebook, Amazon, they all Apple, they all reported great Fang, numbers. Fang has got some really sharp uh, looking earnings and revenue this quarter. Holy moly. Wow, did I just say that? Investors don't Holy like cow. it. They yeah, they don't, don't like, like anything. That. And oh, by the way, uh, weekend, uh, Wall Street Journal, right? Uh, May 5th, 6th version, Saturday, Sunday, it comes out. They throw it in your driveway. You, you read it sometimes. Jobless rate, 17-year low, front page, right? Historic expansion shows little signs of slowing. The wage growth remains slow. So if wage growth remains slow... Infl there's not a lot inflation of inflation is low. There's not a lot of slack in the labor market. It's getting gobbled up. There's there's a few more people that are coming in the labor force, all that kind of stuff. But you can't find workers. So now companies are going to have to compete for workers, correct? Yeah. So it's a supply and demand problem. There's not a lot of supply, but there's a ton of demand. So what are prices going to have to do in terms of wages? 
They got to go up a little. They got to go up a little, right? That's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. So I, I just don't get this. The last time we were under 4% unemployment was the year 2000. Can you believe that? Is this a good thing or a bad thing? It's I'm just going to start right there. It's a good thing. So listen, the, the, the Fed has been really happy with inflation below the 2% target. Oh, the Fed is And they're crazy. trying to actually... You know, fine tune this so that it's at two percent. Why is is it inflation good? Because then does it mean there's some growth? And then they can do a slam dunk and they can say, "Look at what we've done." The fact is, who cares? When you get an economy that is growing, finally, like finally growing, let's see. You got to let inflation. You got to let inflation run a little. What happens if we get to like you know two point four or five? Is that a big deal? It's not. Three uh, percent wouldn't be a big crisis. But the Fed says that's a cr- like a crisis situation. No no, 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 no. Hey, everybody got used to the idea of subpar, below two percent GDP growth, as if that was okay. It's not okay. We need three plus and growing. And we had a good first quarter GDP print, two point six versus last year's first quarter of one point four. The trend is our friend here. Yes, And yes. the Fed needs to stay the heck out of the they way. They need to calm down. Tie yourself to a chair. Calm down, okay? So, um, you know, the only problem with this article was, was the charts. When you look at the charts, are a little scary because a year after you typically hit this, you know, around 4% magic unemployment number, Bad things happen about a year later. So that's what companies have been talking about a little bit this earnings season. Like, yeah, we can't like smoke our growth forever. And if you look at their chart on where where uh, growth's supposed to be in terms of, you know, this this quarter over the prior year's quarter growth, Q1 of next year is projected to be a pretty slim margin uh, back towards, you know, uh, low single-digit percentage earnings and revenue growth. I see it differently. Okay. I see it differently. Talk to me, dividend doctor. So I see there is uh, really good margins. The margin compression that everybody is talking about because wages might spike. 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 You need a spike to do this. Yes, you okay. do. We're not going to get a spike. We're going to get a gradual increase in wage pressure. D- wait a second. You said Gradual, gradual, gradual increase. Snooze yes. it. It's yeah. no big deal. So it's not like next quarter, you know, uh, companies are going to double, you know, the compensation for their employees. No right? way. It's no not going to happen. So what you're going to see is a gradual increase. Markets are going to be tight, you know, in terms of labor markets. We're going to continue to get some people coming off the sidelines that have been, you know, uh, not uh, employed. You're going to get a, a People that uh, decide not to retire and stay in the workforce, this is really underappreciated. You know, the older generations are going to continue working. They got slammed by two terrific bear markets. Wait a back second. To what, back are you, what are you talking about? That eviscerated their ba- capital Bear base. markets? Yeah, bear markets. What bear markets? Those actually happened. Oh, they happened? Yeah, they do. Oh, I didn't know that. But here we go, right? So it isn't inflation. It's not the wage pressure. There's no price pressure in the system. Inflation is tame. What we need to do is we need to get the lion tamer out so that the Fed does not 
get nervous and start hiking interest rates, shut down the economy and cause a recession, which would be the end of the bull market trend. And that's kind of what it's looking like, you know, from, um, you know, the expectations that are being thrown out there. Everybody's, you know, like doom and glooming it a year from now. Hey, that's why that's why the markets are having trouble. You know, investors tend to look forward, you know, and um, this thing could work really well for a while if mm -hmm. the Fed stays out of the way. For sure. The number one risk we have is the Fed. Yeah. So look, you know, the longest run without a bear market correction is 4,494 days. We're in the mid 3,000s right now. This thing could run for a really long time. Two or time three more years. Before it breaks down. Easily. If the Fed just stays out of the way, if they don't put both feet on the brake pedal, we should be just fine, right, Don? You know, exactly. And the Fed is really not raising rates because they see pressure in the system. They want to gain a margin of protection, of cutting power, essentially to cut the rates if there's another crisis of some kind. Mm -hmm. They need to get the rates higher than what they are. But what they're going to do if they continue on the path that they're doing is they're going to shut the economy down, they're going to cause a recession, and they very will, well could cause the next crisis just trying to get a higher margin of interest rate cutting power, which seems a little bit stupid to me in that you don't want to create a crisis unless you have the wherewithal to deal with it. And they certainly mm -hmm. don't want to push the economy into a crisis. No, don't want to do that. So, yeah. hey, check this out. Russell 2000. 1,138 companies reporting. We're seeing earnings growth here of 28.96%. Sales growth of 9.48%. There's a couple of sectors that have, um, you know, only maybe a quarter or half of the companies reporting uh, that are actually bringing the number down on the earnings side, and I would imagine on the revenue side. Uh, still, though, strong, strong, strong earnings growth um, across the board. I mean, it's it's nuts what these companies are doing. 28%, almost 29%. Hey, listen, there was a great spot on, uh, I believe it was CNBC on the news. They, they uh, featured a small manufacturing company um, in the, um, you know, middle of the country. Yeah. This is a small manufacturing company right that, in is, the heartland. that is taking the tax cuts that they're getting from going to th from 35% top tax bracket. Oh, I know where you're going with right? this. Right? Mm -hmm. To 21%. Yeah. And you know how much- And that probably wasn't good for them at all, was it? You know how much stock stock buybacks they're doing with that I money? just rolled my eyes. Hey, by the you way, know how much that emoji, you know, you know, all of that hit that, that extra profitability. What'd they, they do got, with it? They didn't, they didn't do any buybacks. They- decided to expand their plant, huh. bought all new equipment, really hired more people, and gave no, everybody in their plant a raise. Really? They did. Why would they do that? Because it's good for business. Oh, really? You know, stock, Like expanding's good for business? I hey, didn't know that. Stock, you know, you get a little extra cash, and what are you going to do? You're going to spend it on your... Uh, Reinvest in the company, stock right? Buybacks, so you can grow right? faster, make by more big, money. By big companies aren't bad. They support the stock price, but they have no incremental value in helping 
build a better quality business or engine of profitability. Mm-hmm. Small and mid-cap companies are not getting any Uh-oh. love. Dividend They're doctors not starting to love. preach, dude. Hey, man. Preach. If you want to look at what's going to work better over the next 10 years, man, you got to look at the small and mid-cap companies real seriously no in kidding, the United man. States because they just had their profits increased, bottom line, 40% more reinvested cash flow supercharged those businesses. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, let's talk a little bit about, uh, yeah. actually, you know what? It's time for a break. When we get back, we're going to talk, you know, the most brilliant minds in finance and what they had to say about investing. Okay. We're talking luminaries, people who, you know, are in the know, and know about investing? No, I'm not talking Warren Buffett. This is before Warren Buffett was alive. But by the way, he bought his first stock. He had his dad buy his first stock when he was 11. Can you believe that? 11. He's like, yo, dad, I want a stock and I want it. You know why? Paid a dividend. Hey, listen. Dividend doctor. Buffett's compound. Buffett's man. a great investor. Compounding. But the guy who taught Ooh. him how, Yep. we're going to talk about next. That's when we get his back. His teacher. All right. The, the sensei. All right. We'll see you in Bull Bear Radio in a second. Bull Bear Radio roared into 2018. You can now find us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and SoundCloud. For more market news and insights from our hosts, follow us on Twitter at Bull Bear Radio. Yo, and so we're back. And, uh, you know, if you don't get enough of us, uh, you should get some more of us. That's a sense. Seems counterintuitive. We're on iTunes. We're on Google Play. Uh, yo, check us out on uh, Twitter. I mean, come on, guys. Really, there's a lot of good thought leadership there. Every single day, I'm putting stuff out. Dividend Doctor here is putting the stuff out on 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 Twitter, and we're we're trying to bring more thoughts and ideas to you as investors. And and if you're a financial advisor, listen, we're trying to help you. You know, serve your clients better. We're all over LinkedIn, of course. You know, so check us out there too. But hey, let's let's talk about uh, you know brilliant minds for a second. So. Um, you know, there was this guy, Benjamin Graham. So Benjamin Graham. Talk to me, dividend doctor. What's, right? what's, what's that dude's deal? So I don't- in, 19, in 1934, uh, Benjamin Graham, uh, Graham and Dodd, they co-authored a book called Securities Analysis. Mm. Right? This Seems like just- a great read. <laughs> this- <laughs> probably could do it in a weekend, right? Oh, no. No, no, no. This is, a, this is uh, probably uh, one of the heavier uh, tomes that you'll ever pick up. Tomes? Yeah, tomes. Oh, boy. But it's the talk, fo- talk about it heavy. It is the foundation. Get the dictionary It out. is the foundation for securities analysis in the financial services business. You go back and you read- How many pages is this thing? Ah, uh, like 1,300, I think. You go back and you read, and, and uh, Ben Graham talks about using- factors that are the lens to the income statement and the balance sheet to do quantitative analysis huh? on stocks. Quanti- Math-based qu- analysis. Quantitative analysis. Yeah, so you can compare one stock to another. Okay. And what, what uh, Ben Graham said- So it's said, in the numbers. It's like said, you're supposed to compare this number to that number and one's better, right? Yeah, he said the big hmm. mistake you know, during uh, the, the lead up to the uh, 1929 market crash, the Great Depression, yep. was that people got overly hyped about management and what they said. You know, it's that's the qualitative part of securities that's, analysis. That's saying like, yo, my company's the best thing since sliced bread. You need to buy it right now because it's an uber bargain, man. 
Right. And so one of the things that management does is they often kind of sell their own book. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. their own book. So what uh, uh, Ben Graham said is, My you bread's know, not we, just bread, it's Wonder Bread. What we want to do is we want to use um, empirical evidence, which we can mm-hmm. find in using factor analysis on how the company's actually doing and what the trends have been. And so he's basically the father of not only security as analysis, but the factor modeling that is so prevalent today that we use at WBI. That's how we came up with our security selection and factor model. And, you know, Benjamin Graham was Warren Buffett's teacher. Benjamin Graham also had a precursor to what the hedge fund industry uh, started at some point in time much later in the 1940s and 50s. Warren Buffett worked for Benjamin Graham for some time. And that's where he learned how to be the greatest value investor ever, Warren Buffett. Hmm. So he's, he's got a few zeros in his bank account, right? I'd say so. He's done pretty well. Hmm. You know, another smart guy. Wait a second. Wait a second. Yeah. Who's, who's the next smart guy? Another smart guy that had a big influence on the way we manage money. Was it the crazy hair dude? Yeah, the crazy hair dude, Albert Einstein. Oh, yeah. Right right from out you know, near Princeton, New Jersey out there. Yeah, you man. Know? That's where he was. I mean, you know, he, he was- Where he got real smart and famous and the whole thing. Yeah. You know, he, he was into math. Math mm-hmm. is really good. He thought, you know, math tells you the truth. One of the things that he said, he was quoted as saying, is that, you know, compounding, financial compounding, is the eighth wonder of the world. Right. The most powerful financial because force in the universe. Because as long as you've got, got the money there, you've got the number, you've got, you can build on that easy. So, it's you know, like the foundation, right? Right. So, you know, when I came into the business, they were talking about buy and hold. That's And that's if you when, miss the best 10 days, trying to miss the down days. That's when like capturing half the upside, for example, can beat all of the upside. Capturing half of the upmarket returns can outperform yeah. 100% of the upmarket returns. Because it, when, when I read that Einstein said that, I thought to myself, well, you know, how do you get the best compounding? Well, it isn't by taking 50, 60% losses. The average decline in the 19 bear markets that have happened since 1870, the average declines 64%. That's 64% loss. If you're if you lose more than half your money and you're trying to compound, you've made a big error in judgment. Yep. So by maintaining capital, taking small losses in bear markets and getting good return participation in up markets, even just half, you can outperform a buy and hold strategy okay, pretty so, dramatically. So what you're trying to do here, you you're I'm seeing where you're going. You blend you know, trying to find good stocks that have good quality fundamentals. Value. Try try to manage your losses to the downside. So your compounding is much more powerful. And wait powerful. a second. And, and don't put all your eggs in one basket. This would be the last guy, right? Yeah. So the by the way, the last guy, Harry Markowitz, really smart guy, 1952, wrote a paper about diversification and the efficient frontier, essentially how to model portfolios. Mm-hmm. You know, use risk and return, get asset classes that are moving in opposite directions if mm, That possible. doesn't happen as much anymore these no, days. No, it doesn't. But he was the uh, essentially the father of modern portfolio But still theory. don't put all your eggs in one basket. Interesting thing. I was doing some research for this uh, uh, podcast, and I've read Markowitz's work. I've read Graham's work. 
Um, I have read some of Einstein's work. Boy, that's heavy lifting. Mm -hmm. I thought I thought Ben Graham was heavy lifting. At any rate, what Markowitz, funny thing is, he just did an interview. You know, he's the economics uh, chair at uh, the University of California, San Diego. They were interviewing him recently. I think this was a 2012 interview. This was post the 2008 uh, financial crisis markets. And um, the interview asked him, you know, I heard that you had done, you know, pretty well recently, you know, uh, by kind of going off your own page. And uh, Markowitz shared is how before the financial crisis, he moved from his all of his equity investments, except for his 401k, all of his uh, stuff outside his 401k into cash, actually municipal money market accounts, California municipal money markets. He felt that, uh, you know, if something happened to him, he's in his 80s, you know, his wife would be fine because she'd have the principal intact. When the Fed cut interest rates, you know, to deal with the financial crisis, he did pretty well. As that cycle started to mature, he moved all the money to commodities and he rode the commodity into, you know, some nice returns. Sure. And then as the Fed, you know, started to really uh, slam their uh, foot on the gas pedal, he uh, switched to equities. Mm -hmm. So the guy who essentially built the efficient frontier, diversification reduces risk, passive investment allocation, he doesn't want to take big losses either. He, well, he's been a little active management there, huh? I Look, we, we covered a lot of ground this week on Bull Bear Radio. Again, check us out, podcast, every single week, iTunes, Google Play. Check us out on Twitter, WBI CEO, WBI President. Check us out on LinkedIn. And, uh, you know, we'll be right back here next week doing another podcast. Uh, we got a lot of this great information on our website, uh, good knowledge-based information and education. Hit it, WBIinvestments.com. All right, that's Bull Bear Radio. This is Bull Bear Radio, where each week you can count on our real market news and advice. Catch all of our podcast episodes at WBIinvestments.com. Past performance does not guarantee future results. The views presented are those of the podcast participants and should not be construed as investment advice. Podcast participants or clients of WBI may own stock discussed in this recording. All economic and performance information is historical and not indicative of future results. This is not an offer to buy or sell any security. No security or strategy, including those referred to directly or indirectly in this podcast, is suitable for all accounts or profitable all of the time and there is always a possibility of loss. Moreover, you should not assume that any discussion or information provided here serves as a receipt of or as a substitute for personalized investment advice from WBI or from any other investment professional. To the extent that you have any questions regarding the applicability of any specific issue discussed to your individual situation, please consult with WBI or the professional advisor of your choosing. This information is compiled from sources believed to be reliable. Accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Information pertaining to WBI's advisory operations services and fees is set forth in WBI's disclosure statement in Part 2A of Form 80B, a copy of which is available upon request.